Hello, and coming up on today's Talk Filmy to Me, we review not one, not three, but two streaming gems, Jack Ryan, Amazon Prime Spectacular, and Is Flinty Disenchanted with Disenchantment. We're also reviewing brand new movie, American Animals, which looks absolutely amazing, based on a true story, and that's why we love it. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It's the podcast that at Vic Bell on Twitter first described this podcast as, hey, I like people talking about film and tripe. Well, I'm telling you, you've come to the butchers of it. Speaking of which, I've got my main man with me, the co-founder, the co-host. Uh, it's the originator. It is the priest in the church of film. John, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> what an inch. It gets better and better, Flinty. I might have to use start using these on my MySpace page. <laughs> really hoping it's going to make a comeback. I think Tom from MySpace is right now just racking up the views, just going, you'll laugh, but you know what? When you're back on my block, you'll all have me as your first follower. He looks pretty good now, doesn't he? In the era of tech tycoon evil genius. I, poor, lovely little Tom looking back in the camera all sweetly he would never he would never sell your information for nefarious means <laughs> he was a good one we we really we really didn't appreciate him in his time but anyway he's probably retired and having a great old life so well done tom <laughs> shall we campaign to get him back make social media great again vote tom <laughs> someone should make a film about tom none of this social network malarkey let's see what he's doing that would be incredible. Sorry, that was a proper tangent. Let's um, probably talk about films. So um, so last week, uh, we, I'll say, got invited. We basically responded to a tweet quicker than anyone else. Um, we got uh, invited to the Empire Filmcast doing their, their live podcast uh, at the London Podcast Festival. And I was pretty chuffing cool, actually. Um, you know, it was quite funny. I turned up to the gate and there were like, loads of people queuing up with all their tickets and all that stuff. And um, I was just told to use our Twitter handle at the door. So I went up to the front and went, I'm here because of my podcast. And they didn't ask any questions. They just whisked me in, took me to a bar. <laughs> and they were like, um, do, you, do you know where you're set up and what time you're meant to be on? At this point, I realised they obviously thought that I was part of a podcast that was performing at the festival. So I was like, I'm going to see how far this goes. I, well, actually, I don't know yet. I need to check my emails. Can you tell me the Wi-Fi password, please? So I started setting up my laptop. And as I was setting that up, they're like, oh, can I get you anything? I was like, yeah, just a beer, please. So they went and bought me over a beer. <laughs> anyway, eventually I was just like, um, yeah, so I only played it out for as long as it can go. Eventually they were like, so you're just attending one of the, the shows and because of your Twitter account, you got invited. I was like, yep, yeah, but maybe one day we'll host something here. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'll tell you what, uh, the podcast itself was absolutely fantastic. It was really, really funny. Um, you don't realise how much effort goes into just the, the showmanship of these live podcasts. And to begin with, they, they kind of warmed up the crowd by doing like a free giveaway of stuff. I mean, we get the odd freebie from the various marketing companies or whatever, but you can imagine the sort of stuff Empire gets. It's just fucking tons of stuff. And um, they done a bit of a quiz. And I'm going to be honest, John, I thought I was quite a filmy guy. There are mm. some very filmy people out there. They they put me to shame with some of the knowledge that was being shared out there. So um, there we go, John. That's the bar we've got to aim for. 
That's it. And you you went front and centre, were you? Because I saw a picture of the crowd. They tweeted it. And it's someone that looks like you. And he was all on his own. And he was right <laughs> at the front and centre. And everyone else sort of chatting away with friends. And then the, this guy was just all on his lonesome. And I felt absolutely awful because I thought, where's your partner in crime? He's, he's looking at a tweet of you all on your own. <laughs> was that you? Or was that just someone that looked like you? I'm hoping that's someone that looked like me. But I did ask a question. I actually am on the on the podcast. So um, towards the end, they were like, uh, you know, do a Q&A. And um, I don't know if they, they re- like spotted me from, like, because I use my face on the, on the profile pic. And every now and again, they all read out questions and, and big us up on the podcast. And... Um, they they like oh that man over there so they got a microphone over to me and I do a lot of public speaking believe it or not I do a lot of presentations and and usually it takes a lot for the occasion to get to me now I like to thrive off it anyway I like to think I do anyway and um, I don't know how many people were there probably a couple of hundred but you know and like you you see your idols in the flesh properly and I had this question in my head about you guys are on like four hundred episodes you've done an amazing job got a great loyal fan base what do you say to someone just setting out what would you say to two guys with unqualified opinions talking about films and use it as an opportunity to pick up the podcast they passed me the mic and if you're listening to this week's episode they've, they've done me too much credit because they've edited a lot of dead space out I froze <laughs> like I generally froze for like a good five seconds and it felt like the earth was going to swallow me up because the whole auditorium was staring at me and I'd play what's his name Chris Hewitt staring at me back saying you know what's your question and I let him just went what's been your film of the year so far (laughs) and they they all gave me that look of you had one opportunity man (laughs) and that's the question you picked I think you're idling, idling, uh, idolizing these people too much, Flinty. You're, you're doing exactly the same thing. The only difference is many more thousands of people listen to them talk about films with their unqualified opinion. And that's why you're my main man. You pick me up when I feel down. <laughs> anyway, shall we... I'm with you, man. Shall we crack on with news? News. So Bohemian Rhapsody, the biopic of Queen... Looks absolutely fantastic. The music's got us all pumped. We've all agreed. We're really, really looking forward to this. Um, the world premiere is going to be, how fitting is this, at Wembley Arena to celebrate, obviously, the the great iconic performance that Queen done there. But it's actually going to be like a big, almost like a festival atmosphere. How cool is that? That is awesome. The best gigs in history have been done there. I've watched... Have you seen... Well, I mean, how excited are you for this? Because I really feel like watching the trailer... I, f- I don't know if I'm going to like it, and I think I'm going to wish Sasha Baron Cohen was was Freddie. I think if you can like park that and just enjoy this film, then you probably want to get something out of it. But I think a lot of people, including myself in that, might actually agree with you on that and kind of think of what could have been. Um, I can't. I think it's been this project's been in development for so long. Everyone's got their own idea of what this should be. Everyone's got their own own vision of Freddie to an extent. Everyone's got their own law that comes from the love of the love of the band love of the music and and everything it bought with that so all these production troubles the different directors that i mean the cast looks great but i do think that it is kind of it we might be on one of those films that just can never live up to the hype um i'm still pumped i really do enjoy the trailers i've seen so far i think they've addressed the controversy of, of straight washing i think they're they're going to address that in further trailers as well as they'll solve that in the film itself and uh, and um, come on at least worst case scenario you're gonna have a great soundtrack yeah you're right what could go wrong and do, do you know what else i didn't i the acting in the trailer sort of put me off i'm kind of hoping that 
that uh, is didn't make the cut. You know, it's doing that trendy thing of just using offcuts for the trailers. Yeah, I see. Doing the old switcheroo. Anyway, speaking about <laughs> switcheroo, Brie Larson, who is going to be playing Captain Marvel in the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, ironically called Captain Marvel, um, she, she broke the internet the other day. She tweeted to EW saying, I'm bored, want to break the internet? And they're like, it's a marvellous idea. And everyone's like, it's a trailer, it's a trailer, it's a trailer, I can't wait. Turns out it wasn't a trailer, it was just a, a set picture, but it was the first set picture. It introduced to us loads of characters, Ben Mendelsohn's going to be in the role, uh, playing Scrolls. We've got a really young Samuel Jackson. Like, you know, we've done a feature a while back on if we could take actors and de-age them digitally. They've done this for Samuel mm-hmm. Jackson, and I swear to God, it looks so realistic. It looks so, so good. Scarily good. I mean, we've got a whole catalogue of, of films to go back on for Samuel, but... It, even still, this looks amazing. Ah, oh, it looks awesome. We, we tweeted on our Twitter account a while back, so just check through there. And um, speaking of other stuff that dropped, House of Cards final season, the trailer for it dropped the other day, and it's kind of given away what they're doing with Frank. Have you seen the video yet, John? No, I haven't. You've got to tell me now because I I can't go on. Tell me. <laughs> so. Um, so basically, if you want to go completely spoiler-free for the next season of House of Cards, just skip fi- uh, like five seconds. Do five seconds from now. Um, it starts with Frank's grave. Well, I knew that he was dead. I knew that they were writing him out and he was dead. That wasn't much of a secret, was I it? I know, but like, I figured maybe it would be like a, he's off camera for a lot of the time and then they kill him off, or maybe they use just very few scenes. But no, they, it looks like they're really just saying, you know what, he's dead. We, we don't like him anymore, and we are focusing on Claire in its entirety. It's going to be a shortened season as well. I think it's only for like eight episodes or something like that. Um, so that was interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's just a shame it has come to this. I kind of felt House of Cards probably should have finished a bit earlier than it actually has. Mm, I know what the last... I, I've got an idea for the last scene. You know how um, Frank Underwood pissed on his dad's <laughs> grave, and it was like a, a, a really memorable scene. How good would it be for Robin Wright to squat over his grave and give a good give a good piss on it? Um, Come on, Flinty. You'd appreciate uh, I that. I don't know if it'll have the same effects, John, if I'm being honest. No? no? I mean, visually, it'd be stunningly memorable. You have to admit that. Give me I'll some credit. I'll give you some credit that there is some nice continuity connecting tissue there. Why don't you tweet Jim will p- uh, paint it and see if he'll do a... <laughs> Do a video <laughs> representation of it. <laughs> I definitely will. I think he might be up for cool. that. Um, speaking of people being up for stuff, I think that's the best segue to that. Uh, Walking Dead, season nine. Um, we've been talking a lot about Andrew Lincoln, who's going to be leaving the show uh, eminently, but they have announced the season premiere is happening very soon, around Halloween, as it always does. And it's going to be really long. The first episode is going to be 90 minutes. That's pretty much a film. Um, I'm similar to House of Cards it kind of feels like Walking Dead has kind of reached its peak already but saying that I do love these characters I really can't wait to see uh, how Negan folds into the the new society and everything else so so that's kind of cool are you a Walking Dead man? no uh, absolutely no idea what you're talking about it's one of them it started too long ago I've got nine series to catch up on (laughs) it's not going to happen it's passed me by Flinty I'm going to need at least four months in bed ill to tackle something like that, which, fingers crossed, won't happen. 
I'm the same with The Wire, to be honest. Everyone keeps telling me The Wire is like the greatest TV show ever and you really need to watch it. And don't get me wrong, from what I've seen, the tidbits that you, you know, see through pop culture, yeah, it looks like an amazing show, but it's kind of been come and gone. And yeah, I don't know if I've got time to, to invest in that. You have to pick and choose these days. I remember back in the day, Prison Break and Lost... And it was like, everyone watches those and everyone's got time for those once a week, blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, you really have to, something has to have such good reviews and be recommended as well personally by a friend that you trust. There's, or a there's podcast. A, or a podcast. That's why people listen, mate. They, they want to hear some amazing recommendations um, or just people talking about how they haven't watched something that they feel like they should have. <laughs> It used to be so simple. It used to be Noel Edmonds' house party followed by Liz and Clark, the new adventure. Liz and Clark? Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. But, oh, what a time to be alive. Anyway, moving on. Um, so it's the Toronto Film Festival at the moment and there's loads of things coming out, really interesting uh, interesting. Uh, Films, trailers are dropping, premieres are happening, and A Star is Born. Uh, This is Bradley Cooper's first uh, film as a director. He's also starring in the role with uh, Lady Gaga. It's a film that's been done actually a few times. It gets remade every sort of generation or so. The concept is basically a a washed-up singer discovers a a hit star and they, they make it in the world of... Of, of music whether that's country music or it's been adapted in other ways as well uh, apparently this is absolutely incredible the first reviews are coming back saying this is an oscar nomination waiting to happen and um, i think lady gaga is actually incredible i loved her in american horror story and um, obviously as an artist she we know she can sing already but she has got some acting chops and bradley cooper we know what he brings. I mean, he must have been sitting there going, oh, well, I've made enough ch- paychecks out of voicing that raccoon on those Marvel films. I might as well do something a bit more behind the camera as well. So he is literally doing everything in this. It looks pretty damn good. And actually, not to big up another podcast, but when I asked my question to the Empire guys about what is their film of the year, um, Terry, the editor-in-chief of Empire, said this is her film of the year. I don't know if she was just wow. doing that whole I've seen the film before you thing or, or if she generally meant it, but that's high praise already. That's high praise. I'm definitely looking forward to that then. So, going to finish off the news on a bit of a down note. Um, right, uh, Burt Reynolds, you know, what can be said that hasn't already been said? Uh, rest in peace. The beloved actor passed away at the age of 82. He is literally the man of many generations. We have seen him in films like Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, we've seen him in more modern films where he's been a bit more of a, a comical version of himself, but it's films that have been engrossed in pop culture like the the longest yard gator you know it's it goes on and on and on so um so all we can say is it's sad he's gone but let's smile that he had such an amazing career yeah rest in peace and you know what a great long full life lived have you got a favorite burt film the longest yard sorry the longest yards is I uh, yeah what's what's yours I'm probably gonna go with Boogie Nights even though he hates it like he's actually distanced himself from that film saying how much he fucking hates it but I think he's actually really good in it like I generally I think he's, it's a great performance and um, I do think he's got a certain element of charm uh, I do like him in the in the Longest Yard the first version not the remake with with Adam Sandler which he does a <laughs> cameo in 
But um, but yeah, he's just the epitome of charisma, right? Like you can't you can't help but when you see him in, on screen, like be captivated by his his charisma and presence. He might even come on and just say just a couple of lines, and that's it. Or he might have the whole film about him. Either way, you get a, an amazing performance. He brings his A game mm. all the time, that sort of stuff. He actually voiced himself in the TV show Archer for one episode, and they basically managed to epitomise his his style and swagger um, in this episode. If, you, if you're an Archer fan, what you've already seen the episode, but go watch it again because you just think, ah, oh, it's got so much more meaning than it's gone. <laughs> but, um, but yes, unfortunately, he is no longer with us. May he rest in peace. And that's your news for this week. This library is home to the most valuable book in the United States. $12 million really need to see how easy this is going to be. Oh, you know this from all your previous heists? American Animals is a film without a zoo. No, of course not. It's a heist movie, actually. It's a screenplay based um, on a real story. Um, it, the screenplay has been adapted by a gentleman called Bart Layton. He also directed it as well. Good to see Brits going over there. <laughs> Waving the flag. <laughs> Making us proud. Um, this film is based on a true story, as mentioned. This is based on four teenage guys who are kind of at that high school, college age, and they decide to pull off a heist. Not any heist, actually. This is the biggest heist in American history. Um, they go to rob a library. In this library contains some of the most valuable books in American history. Now, this film starts out as trying to be like a, I suppose the best way to describe it is a documentary. It, it, actually find this is based on a true story they go and find the real people and they go interview them and they they ask them some questions and stuff and they splice in um a dramatic a dramatization of of these events and they kind of splice it together and when i was watching this film i was captivated by the by the editing style first and foremost it start it kind of makes you feel like it is it going to be one of those talking head documentaries um no, it's not. It then makes you think, oh, is it going to be kind of like this biopic of these events with these four different characters? And it's kind of that, but it's kind of not. And you think, oh, okay, is it a comedy? Because I actually found myself laughing quite a lot in this film. And um, I suppose it's kind of not just a comedy on its own. Okay, fair enough. Then then, then what is it? And the, the answer is it's actually a combination of all these things. Um, my interpretation of this basically is that it's about perspective. And I'll touch on that in a moment, but I'll just carry on the synopsis really. So it's a documentary that follows these, a documentary comedy film that follows these four guys where it jumps back and forward in time to current day, to past, and with some amazing editing in between. The cast in this film have been absolutely amazing. Evan Peters is basically the breakout performance in this. You may know him from American Horror Story. He was also in X-Men First Class, as well as been in a whole host of other things. But those kind of like the main stuff we remember him from. There's also people like Barry Krogan, Blake Jenner, and Dow, Jared Abraham. They all play various versions of these people that you see in these interviews. Now, I said it before about perspective. Um, the, the whole film is from the perspective of these teenagers. Now, these teenagers think of it, this as a, as a heist and they treat it like a heist, like a heist movie. And the inspiration from their perspective is like an Ocean's Eleven movie. There's even a scene where they have a little montage talking about how they're going to do this this heist in this library to steal these books. They even plays Elvis Little List Conversation in the background to, to really beat on those, those drums that we all hold dear to those sort of films. And... Um, but then all of a sudden, it's a bit of a gut punch. The perspective changes. It stops being about them 
as children, the perspective then goes to them as adults, and there's repercussions of your your actions. I'm not going to spoil what happens in the film, um, but there are repercussions uh, repercussions to their actions, and them as older selves describing what happens. There's some really interesting camera trickery here. So obviously your perspective is different to a different person. So someone will be describing, oh, and then we went and had a talk at the we went we sat in the car and discussed it for a bit, and then they'll switch to the other person who was part of that conversation and say, no, actually we we spoke in a restaurant. And as they were talking in the, the, I suppose, the remake of that scene, the scenery would start changing depending on whose perspective it was they were talking through. Very, very clever. Um, the editing in this film is so tight. Like, I really, really enjoyed just the way the camera moves in this film, the way it balances between the tensions of, of comedy to suspense to drama with the gut punch of the realisation that actually you cannot just go do these sort of things and get away with it interesting thing about this is that the actors never met their counterparts like the director deliberately kept them apart Uh, the reason why is because you tend to look back with rose tinted glasses especially when it's your own stuff your own behavior and he didn't want i suppose either them to distort the reality of what they're trying to play or then again they might be telling the truth and never let the truth get in the way of a good story so if i'd look through my notes from seeing this what i've got so far so yep highest movie i've talked about the perspective part I do think it does follow some of the traditional tropes of a heist movie. There's a scene where they're all talking about how they're going to do it and there's a map up on the wall and a list of how they're going to do it. But I love the editing style between the the documentary style and then uh, the reenactment style. Uh, This isn't just a case of this is a documentary with some really good B-roll. This is an amazing film. Uh, The documentary style was very fresh the way they've integrated this. And also it'll be stuff like, it's kind of got touches of Edgar Wright in terms of They'll be describing an event that happens and and then they'll describe how they they spoke to each other and then it will literally flick to the reenactment and they'll be dubbing over it and it works perfectly. It looks incredible from that perspective as well. Um, I just think it's a masterclass in storytelling to be honest. I really, really enjoyed this film. I did I went in not expecting much. Um, I saw it got some high praise, but that's about it really. I really, really enjoyed this film. Flinty, you have got me pumped for this one. This sounds amazing right up my alley and i really enjoy this new uh filmmakers are finding it more and more interesting and innovative ways to kind of tell true stories blending sort of uh real people's experiences and talking with dramatized footage and um i you know netflix have done some really cool documentaries with this in mind recently um so yeah i'm really intrigued about this one sounds it sounds great critics are loving it aren't they Oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're absolutely loving it, and rightfully so. I don't want to say that this is a documentary, because it's not. And I'm not going to say this is a comedy, because it's not. It's probably, if it had to fall into one of those categories, you'd probably say it's more of a heist movie than anything else. But I think what they've probably done was set out to make an amazing documentary, and then thought, shit, we've got enough for an amazing film here, and then got the funding to make an amazing film on top of that. I've got to say, though, um, Evan Peters is absolutely fantastic in this. I think he's a really, really good actor, very underrated um, from everything I've seen him in, and he seems to be getting better and better. Um, there is that realisation and a pivot change from the perspective of no longer just about these kids that are up to no good and having a bit of a laugh, uh, to actually know you're committing a very serious crime here and people got hurt. And you've got to live with the consequence of those decisions. And sometimes you'll look back in fond memories of, oh, that's cool. We learned some stuff. You know, we made a few mistakes. And some some of you will look back and go, you've ruined my life. And there's a lot of truth uh, behind all of that. Although, you know, a lot of people are saying, 
Yeah, although it's based on a true story, they've taken some creative license. What film doesn't? It's an amazing film, so for me, it's a film of the year. I'm going to give it five out of five. Five out of five. Rotten Tomatoes is giving it 88%, so that is high praise, but it seems that good consensus. You're in good company. Streaming Gems. Naming people off the street and interrogate them. My first one, actually. How am I doing? Amazon Video have looked over at what Netflix have been doing with original content and thought, okay, we've dominated them with films, we've won our Oscar, and we keep producing amazing films. We're going to really tackle TV now. I know we've kind of done it a little bit with our originals and beaters and, and everything else, but we're really throwing Amazon money at this. So they went out and they bought a ton of licenses. They decided to not go down the original route in terms of original stories. They went to make original stories with loved content. They spent $500 million on Lord of the Rings. They've spent an absolute shit ton of money making those Purge TV shows that just dropped last week, which we'll be talking about in the streaming gem in another pod. But they also acquired Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Now, the film buffs out there will know that Jack Ryan is a well-known character, not just in Tom Clancy law, but in film law as well. He's been played by Harrison Ford. He's been played by Chris Pine, Ben Affleck, all in various incarnations and various stages of his life. For the in for the uninitiated, Jack Ryan is an intelligence officer for the CIA uh, who's got a bit of a checkered history of the US Marines. You don't know too much about it. Think of this as a reboot. Think of this as the Daniel Craig to Bond. This is what disinterpretation of it is. Uh, this is one of John's favourite actors who I have a terrible job at pronouncing his surname. John Krasinski. Have I done, have I done it there, John? John Krasinski. Krasinski, there we go, sorry. Um, the guy from The Office and Quiet Place. He takes up the lead role as Jack. This is set very much at the start of his career um, getting into that world of espionage. He's only been analysis, an analysis for a few years, bit of a desk jockey, but obviously he's got that history of working in the, the armed forces, which they start to allude on. It's been put into a TV show format. This is the first time the character's ever been in that format. Eight episodes on Amazon Prime. It's part of your Amazon Prime membership right now. Um, I've re seen every episode. I sat there with my wife, and you may be seeing that they're really aggressive with the advertising campaign. Uh, it's pretty much in front of every film trailer at the moment. It is all over the internet. Obviously, they need to make their money back from the amount they've invested in this. And it shows. So the story basically is, is that, that Jack Ryan, working in the, the CIA, has stumbled upon where some money has been going. His job is to basically track where money goes. And he has realised that a lot of funds have been funding a new part of a, of a terrorist splinter cell. And he believes he has found the new Bin Laden. And he gets pulled into this this world where he has to go over to Syria. He has to track down people. There's there's trips to Paris. It goes around the world. This TV show, and it shows the budget in this is absolutely spectacular. This, although I keep bigging this up as being actually this is pretty pretty good. There's some real you know adrenaline pumping action here. Lots of explosions. Lots of gunfights. It kind of gets a bit dull pretty quickly. And um, the first episode is absolutely stellar. Like that that pilot is brilliant. There's a breathtaking scene where he is interrogating his, his adversary and um, there's a kerfuffle that breaks out and all of a sudden a bunch of people break into the room with guns. I'm not going to go into the plot details as to why. And Jack Ryan has the audacity to quickly pull open a grenade and pull the pin out. 
And basically the suspense in that scene to say, you know, if you shoot me, I'll let go of this and we're all doomed. Um, it's incredible. I think John Krasinski's style is, is amazing. Comedic actors have to learn about timing because that's the whole point of their, their, I suppose, their profession. When you translate that into genuine acting, it's an art form. It looks incredible. That's why he is so good in those dramatic roles as well. And he absolutely flies in this role as well. Um, but like I said, it does get a bit dull. It does get a little bit like, oh, okay, so the whole purpose of this... I always hate TV shows or films where they spend a lot of scenes in a boardroom <laughs> you know, trying to explain how shit gets done. I don't want to know how shit gets done. Make it up. I'm not really in the CIA. Who gives a shit? You know, skip that scene where they're, they're voting on whether they should send diplomats over to speak to that person. You know, I want, to, I want the drama. I want the action straight away. And... Um, Cast-wise, it's got Abby Cornish in it. It's got Diana Shimby. And I want to give a shout-out to an actor called Wendell Pierce. Um, sorry, Wendell Pierce. You might have seen him in other TV shows. He, ten- he tends to play the more comedic role. My wife pointed out, oh, he's in Suits. He's quite funny in that. Um, but he plays basically Jack Ryan's boss. And he is a hard-ass man. He is a badass mother flipper. And he is very good in this TV show as well. Um, it kind of feels like if Amazon made 24, this is what it would pretty much be. Um, I've really enjoyed it, but I put a poll on our Twitter account to kind of see how the Talk Filming to Me uh, community are liking this at the moment. And it's pretty much divided. There's only one person who said it was amazing. Everyone else has gone from meh to I switch it off, which is a bit of a shame. Um, But, you know, I think this is going to start a franchise. I do think um, we're going to see John back in the role. I've really enjoyed it, but I totally understand the critiques on this. Mm, I'm intrigued. You know, Jack... Sorry, John Krasinski's career, when he looks back on it, it's going to be very varied from Jim from The Office to to Jack Ryan within uh, a few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, is this the Amazon Prime? Is this going to be enough for people to add a, another subscription, do you think? It's not the flagship. No, I think they made a big mistake a few years ago when they basically made the Grand Tour their like TV show. And it showed in the ratings, right? I mean, yes, a lot of people pirated the show and watched it, but it's not enough for you to become an Amazon Prime character. For, uh, sorry, an Amazon Prime customer for. I think this is going to be part of a great suite of shows, and that's why they've gone right. We can't, we can't afford to gamble on original shows that no one knows anything about. Um, there is a massive Jack Ryan fan base out there. A lot of people love the Tom Clancy books, and we're going to stay true to that character. And I think they have done. Um, albeit I don't read every Jack Ryan book but my understanding is they're very much stuck to the the core of the character which is great they've obviously modernised it up a bit in terms of they've brought in new political angles uh, with Syria and Turkey and things like that which is quite interesting Um, but I don't think this is going to be the Game of Thrones for Amazon yet I think that this is going to be that combined with an amazing show about the purge and a great Lord of the Rings show and uh, if they, they've got to keep it going now that's where Netflix succeeded they just kept they kept hitting you every week with a new show a new film uh, yes the films are quite bad but the TV shows are amazing and and they're really it's just constant churning out of good content so they need to hit that calendar a lot more if they're going to really tackle um, the TV people when it comes to battling Netflix but that being said, I have enjoyed it, but not enough to give it too much high praise. It's going to go three out of five for me. Three out of five. So you're kind of saying meh as well as our, our talk filmy fans. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. But that being said, you know, judge it by yourself. Check out the pilot. 
if you like the pilot, I'm sorry, that's about as good as it gets in terms of the action. But um, you, I'm hoping you're kind of hoping that the character development is enough to keep you through, and it succeeds at that point. If it goes any longer than eight episodes, you will definitely switch off. Brilliant. We got to figure out a way to get inside his head. Musa bin Sleiman is my husband. He don't know where I am. My son is with him. Is he planning something here? Paris was only the beginning. Streaming gems. Your presence is requested at the royal wedding of Prince Giesbert of Bentwood and Princess Bean. Do you take this man to be your husband? No! Well, look at that. We're just like buses with streaming gems. We said you were going to get one. Now you've got two. So um, last week we reviewed Final Space and we said we were going to do kind of a two-parter. We're going to talk about the sort of modern way of making new animated shows, of looking for new talent on and various sources. And Final Cases, Final Space's case was about um, finding someone on YouTube. Now this is more of a traditional way. Uh, they go find a big TV producer and just give them a load of money. This producer in question is is Matt Gronin, the creator, the father of The Simpsons. Hallow be his name, the man who invented pop culture if it was yellow. He has been given a lot of money to make a new TV show. Netflix want their version of The Simpsons slash Futurama. And this is it. It's called Disenchantment. It is set way back in a fictional world called Dreamland. And it follows a protagonist called Bean, who's a princess who's trying to avoid her her obligations of taking up the throne, of becoming the, the queen one day, whose father's trying to marry her off to a weirdo. And uh, yeah, it's, it's got weird creatures in. It's got lots of interesting tropes on the whole uh, medieval times. If you ever saw the film uh, Bender's Game, the Futurama movie they made towards the end of that, that kind of inspired this. I think Matt Groening is secretly, or not secretly, a massive Dungeons and Dragons medieval nerd, and he's always wanted to dip his toe in that. So this is him. This is him trying to do that, and he was given ten episodes by by Netflix to to produce in that time. Interestingly enough, this is the first time Matt Groening has ever made a continuous story. All, I think for the last 30 years, every Simpsons episode always starts and ends in the same place. Bart never gets older, uh, Lisa never gets the attention, Maggie never says a word. And Futurama, yes, they progress a little bit, but they no one ever turns 40. You know, Bender never really rusts out, and uh, the Professor never suffers from dementia. So they always stay in that same area where this is the first time that every episode is linked and every story passes um, from one transition to the next. And... I think it shows. I think this is the first time Matt Groening's ever had to tell a story like that. And it I don't know if this works. Um, the characters look like Simpson Futurama characters, but they're not Simpson or Future characters. And that kind of sounds a bit weird. So, and it feels a bit weird as well. Um, the comedy doesn't necessarily hit in the same ways as the previous shows would do. Inevitably, you're going to be comparing this to his back catalogue, right? So it's really, really hard to not compare it to that already. But um, it does find its feet after about five or six episodes. So it's about halfway through, you start you start identifying with these characters. It starts building its own humour, and you start finding it quite humorous. But do we need to wait five episodes to start liking a TV show? Were you ever a big Simpsons guy? Oh, back in the heyday, for sure. Um, I don't think I, you know, I quickly became more of a South Park and Family guy. 
sort of guy. But uh, definitely, I mean, some of the back in its heyday, I'd say for 10 years, Simpsons was brilliant. And some episodes were so memorable. And they built up those characters, you know, to such a degree that they could get away with writing a terrible series and not really, uh, you know, tarnish the name of The Simpsons. Like not many shows can get away with. Yeah, this one's been aimed at a, a more mature audience, definitely. So the the main character, being she's a bit of an alcoholic, um, she just wants to get it away sometimes with a hot dude every every now and again. Um, she's got a demon called Lucy, uh, short for Lucifer, who basically follows her around and basically says, "You can't get rid of me. You might as well have a good time and you know let the sin begin," sort of thing. And also, there's Elfo, who's a guy who lives in an enchanted forest, who's tired of the the gumdrop trees and everyone being really happy and nice. So he wanted to say, you know, fuck that. I'm gonna go to the real world where it's a bit more real. And um, it's okay. It's got elements that's pretty good. Voice cast wise, uh, it's got Abby Jacobson doing the voice of Bean, who I haven't hear, heard of or seen before, but she does a great job. Very familiar sounding voice, and um, even though she's obviously quite new to the scene, it's got veterans from Futurama and The Simpsons with John. DiMaggio, Billy West and Maurice as well. Um, so yeah, there's quite a few uh, rememberable voices in that. Noel Fielding is in this as well, randomly. I've only heard him in a couple of bits, but um, it's that <laughs> that complete, you can't mistake that, hello, I'm no, I can't even do his fucking voice, but you know what I mean, imagine an Noel Fielding voice and that that's, that'll be it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, look, it, it's okay. I think it's going to need some work. I think that they've got to learn a lot of lessons because, of the name of the creator, it will get a season two, regardless of how critically it's actually received. And um, I'm probably going to go two out of five. Like I, I really didn't enjoy this that much. Um, I can see there's probably a really loyal audience of Simpsons fans out there. And dare I say it, they're so loyal. They actually work in the media and they would never dare say a bad thing to Matt Groening. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily agree with the the high reviews some people are giving this. I think it's it's it needs a lot of work. Does it feel dated? Because uh, that's maybe as Matt Groening not being able to adapt with the times because a- animation has changed so much in the last 20, 30 years. Um, did you feel that? No, I think the easiest way to describe this is imagine all the unfunny bits in Futurama and they've managed to make it into an entire TV show. Um, that's a bit harsh. There are some bits that I found quite funny, but but overall, yeah, I just think that the world's moved on a little bit in terms of uh, what we're used to and what shock value is. And also the the concept of a narrative that goes through an entire series in this style of animation is something we're not used to seeing these creators do before. And I don't think they've mastered it. If I think about Final Space, comparing that to the other TV show, there's a clear narrative that goes through episode one to the final episode, and there's some payoffs that are done amazingly well. And I'm fine to see that. I I thought it was fantastic, where I'm very much used to them going against the grain on that in Simpsons and Futurama. It's just a case of this is how the episode starts and this is where it's going to end. We might reference it, we might not. We might even rewrite history. Uh, God, how many times has The Simpsons done an origin story of how many yeah. times they've met Mar- you know, Marge has met Homer? Who cares, right? It's just enjoyable. It's thoughtless viewing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if Disenchantment will will go on to have the sort of lifespan that Futurama had, um, but 
then again, you know, Netflix are very forgiving. As long as subscriptions go up, they will allow a TV show to breathe. And I think this will breathe. And hopefully by season two, they'll start to make amends. I mean, hey, Iron Fist managed to solve its problems by season two, which is a spoiler alert for next week's streaming gem. But anyway, um, it can be done. So I just don't think it, it's not it's not a good starting space at the moment. So yeah, there you have it. So Disenchantment, two out of five. If you think I'm wrong, if you think I'm stupid, if you think that I'm an elf without a clue, then please get in contact with us at TalkFilmWithMe on Twitter. Obviously, would love the debate, love to hear your thoughts on that as well. Remember, the trick to not getting swept over the waterfall is swimming upstream. Got it. You can do anything if you believe in yourself. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed this and want to listen to more like it, please click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it means that you get more content from Talk Filmy to me. I just want to give a shout out to our Podbean followers. Uh, we we graced the magic number of 800 this week and 800 of you out there thought we were good enough to worth uh, clicking a button for. Thank you so much. We'll continue to deliver more and more content on the platform. We love you. Thank you. And thanks to all the Twitter people that keep following us as well. I want to take a moment to thank my boy, the OG, John. How can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as well, at Descamento, regularly uh, replying and liking tweets from Talk Filming to me. <laughs> Just to give that illusion, we've got the, the community on, on social media. Great work. Um, <laughs> next week, we'll be back with more reviews, features. We'll probably do a, a bit more uh, interaction on that of a game or two and our review not to leave any clues but it's second to none it's that that film the nun anyway stay filmy talk filmy to me